An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made. It's a different kind of fame that's not always as glamorous as it looks. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznak. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's The Bear, starring Jeremy Allen White, Ayo Adebri, and Eben Moss Backrack. Season two follows as the crew work to transform their grimy sandwich joint into a next level spot. It turns out the only thing harder than running a restaurant is opening a new one. Television Academy members can watch all episodes at fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It is Wednesday, November 30th. All right, producer Craig, admit it. You've seen this movie. The big city girl returns home to her country family for the holidays. She bumps into that high school crush. Maybe they're sledding or watching the town's annual Christmas parade. They overcome some obstacles, bake some cookies, wear some stylish scarves. And by the end, she's got a choice. Return to her glamorous New York life or put down roots with the new love of her life. That's the part where Craig starts crying, right? Sign me up. I'm in. <laughs> All right. You probably know made-for-TV Christmas movies are a big business, but you might not know how big. There's about 150 new original movies airing in November and December across TV and streaming. Everything from A Christmas Story Christmas on HBO Max, Spirited with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell on Apple TV+, to, of course, Falling for Christmas with Lindsay Lohan on Netflix. I checked that out and lasted about 10 minutes. But the vast majority of these Christmas movies air on two networks, Lifetime and Hallmark, which have been locked in a kind of arms race of holiday cheer. In the process, they've made second career stars out of people like Candace Cameron Burr, Lacey Charbet. They basically turn over nearly their entire programming budget to this stuff during this time of year. And while Hallmark is considered the leader, Lifetime is a major player here, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on original movies. The ratings actually deliver for this stuff, even in a declining linear TV world. Hallmark Channel's primetime viewership in the fourth quarter of 2021 was 54% higher than in the third quarter. That is attributed almost entirely to Christmas movies. Lifetime's primetime viewership in the fourth quarter of last year was 12% higher than Q3. That's because Lifetime has a little bit more stronger programming the rest of the year, but it's still a bump. And they can get premium ad rates for this fantasy land of holiday movies where people come, they watch, and they buy stuff. Amy Winter is the executive VP and head of programming at Lifetime. 
Lifetime is actually the biggest producer of TV movies in the world. And holiday movies are a big chunk of that. She's coming on today to talk about the big business of Christmas movies, how it got so big, why people watch this stuff, and what the future might look like in streaming. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Amy Winter, who is the executive VP and head of programming at Lifetime. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. All right, so we are talking Christmas movies today. And I, I don't think the average person, I know I didn't, gets a has a real sense of the volume of holiday-oriented content that is now airing across your network, across you know, others, Netflix. They all are in this business now. Not everybody, but a lot are. I saw Fox Nation is now running Christmas movies as well, the Fox News streaming service. This is a gigantic business. So give us a sense of the volume of investment that you guys make into this category. Well, it's absolutely true that it it, it has exploded in recent years. I mean, last year, I there might actually be you know, when it's all said and done and tallied this year, there might actually be a contraction off of last year because last year it was just a bonanza. Um, and we're just trying to figure out what the calculations are this year in terms of all the different players and how many they've got. But, you know, I think when we we are actually the largest producer of um, television movies in the world and uh, we do it big. Um, we've got 26 new movies uh, this year, um, which is actually slightly scaled back. From last year, we decided to go um, fewer fewer, bigger. It roughly amounts to about 20, 20, 25% of our budget uh, across the, you know, for our movie business. So 26 original movies that air between November 1st and December 25th. Yes. And these movies are lower budget. I'm seeing, you know, some of the numbers that have been out there, they cost about 2 million each to make. Is that about right? That's probably a good average, Mm -hmm. I would say. So they're not high budget movies. This, you know, for two million is about the cost of like a half hour comedy on like a you know a Netflix or most most networks. But these are very replicable. You know, you have a pipeline here. And how much of your of a boost in advertising revenue and audience do you see from this investment? It's a good one. I mean, it's definitely as a as a as an annual event that our advertisers can count on. Um, they know exactly what they're getting, and um, and obviously, it's just a um, a really great environment because, you know, there's only a handful of um, environments that change over their entire. Uh, programming strategy for the for those two months to um, Christmas. So they know that when they're buying in, they're buying into um, a wonderful, happy, magical place uh, where lots <laughs> of people want to buy things. <laughs> do you think it's funny? You mentioned that this category has grown in the past few years. Why do you think that is? Is that because the world is such a hellscape that people really <laughs> just want to relax into this fantasy world where you know everybody is home for the holidays and it all works out and your Christmas wish comes true? I have to believe that there's some of that in there. <laughs> I know it's true in my house. When I go, my <laughs> my mom will turn it on and it'll just sort of be on. And it's like the same people pop up, but like in different characters. And, you know, there's always someone who's baking. There's always someone who's, you know, rushing to get home and just makes it in time. 
Yeah, I, I think that in, in, in years where there's an election cycle, too, it just gets even worse. We're like, can we have them on in like August? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, but that's that's a real thing, right? That you see that you know, people are looking for the comfort. It's true. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I get to see the movies before anybody else does. And I find myself exhaling when I'm watching them back and feeling like, oh, people are really going to enjoy this. They're going to need this thing, you know. And I do find that people are wanting it sooner and sooner. You know, I I, I don't know if the pandemic really accelerated that feeling. Um, I got to believe that there's a big piece of that that did that. Um, and then we actually track trends within the movies um, in terms of um, the pandemic effect on movies. You know, a couple big things were uh, people wanted to see people getting back together with their families because we all missed, you know, a big, you know, I think at least one, if not two of them uh, being able to gather. And the other thing was um, getting away and seeing beautiful places that we weren't mm -hmm. able to go to because we were all trapped in our houses. <laughs> right. That's interesting. So you're evaluating all of these movies and you're greenlighting the scripts and you're seeing cuts and stuff. What makes a good holiday movie for, for Lifetime? What's, what separates a, a good one from a great one? You know, I have an amazing team that works on these. I would have to say that after doing them for such a long time, like we want to entertain ourselves too. <laughs> we pick up a script and we're like, oh God, here we go. Same check, check, check. Yeah. I mean, there it is a formula. I mean, you, when you talk to the writers who do this stuff, I've read stories about them. That, yeah. There's certain things that have to happen in the script, but how do you distinguish? How do you make them different? For me, I, I, I do like, I do, we do try to find um, new threads and new um, creative. You want to have certain things that people can expect, but we, we do try to surprise a little bit with, um, with some of the uh, plot lines that they come up with. There's always a handful of them that are just kind of like, okay, that's a little different for us to try. Let's see what happens. But, but it, you know, for every one movie that's made, we probably have re read eight scripts or eight treatments to get to the one that the, the ones that we're selecting. So, um, so I think what makes Lifetime's movies um, different is wittier dialogue in, you know, a little bit, there's, there's sweet or there's spice. I feel like we lean a little bit more towards the spice. I feel like we try to, um, the banter's a little quicker, you know, and put a little bit more stakes in their romance than, than I think the average fare. That's interesting. The, so do you look at like something, if, if it airs on Hallmark or if it airs on Netflix or one of the others, you say, oh, damn, that was a good get. W what makes you say that? There's some there's some movies that Christmas holiday movies that have been made that we could never do because that's not necessarily the audience that we're talking to. But um, um, I felt like Netflix's Jingle Jangle, I think that's what it was called, um, which was a big musical, like full family event. Um, those full family events, like I wouldn't put them on Lifetime, but I appreciate them as a viewer. In terms of being jealous of somebody else's uh, get and in, in, in kind of the, the stuff that's talking to a primarily female audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, I like hers. I, I'm, you know what, there's, I haven't, I haven't regretted any choice that we've made. In fact, what I feel like we've done across the course of the years is leaned more and more into the things that we feel are very, um, brand defining for lifetime. There's so many, um, 
actresses who uh who have who pack major musical talent that come to um lifetime and i think that that's really distinctive for us actually i should say men and women give us the top five most in-demand actresses for christmas movies these days you got your candace cameron's you've got your lacey sherbet you've got who else who's who who is the top of the heap right now Lori Laughlin still matter? I want to say she's doing a Christmas movie this year. Is she? Is she back? I thought I heard that, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, for, I think, uh, yeah, I think I heard that. Um, you know, I would say probably Danica McKellar too. Um, for us. Oh, from Wonder Years? Yeah. For us, uh, Kelly Rowland, um, Mario Lopez has been in, this is his third year back for us. Interesting. Um, Sarah Drew um, is a, amazing you know christmas uh annual player too and i i just watched her movie this weekend and it was really really great um you know there's a lot of uh we're doing our second movie with kirk Frank- franklin so when what i would say is that when you when you find um talent that really makes a connection on your air there is an expectation that people want to see them again um mm-hmm. and so what we try to balance on lifetime is uh is bringing those people that they love back but then adding more along the way and that's been that's been really fun like we were able to add Reba McIntyre last year and that was just a a real thrill I just adore her I feel like there's also sort of a higher end to this market as well I mean we're seeing Apple this year they're doing a Ryan Reynolds Will Ferrell holiday movie called Spirited which is basically a Christmas Carol but a musical with two huge stars and HBO Max is doing a sequel to a Christmas story. I mean, those aren't movies that you would ever do, but I feel like that market now has the high, medium, and low end of what they're putting on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think the Netflix Lindsay Lohan movie falls in that spectrum? You know, I don't know. It's funny. What are they paying her? What, what is Netflix paying Lindsay Lohan? Not to put you on the spot there. <laughs> you you probably have a better line on that information than I do. I don't um, know what Lindsay Lohan makes for a holiday movie. Does she make a <laughs> lot? Is this something that she really wanted to get? I mean, uh, it's a Netflix holiday movie. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. It's funny because I felt I feel like they, there were a couple of choices last last year that were very different, a very different type of Christmas movie, like um, a little bit um, naughtier. For you guys or for Netflix? No, for for Netflix and oh, um, and I think even I think even Viacom did something that was fairly fairly funny, leaning into the the funny and humor of it. And it's interesting to see how those play out because I feel like they exist in a very weird place. You know, people are coming to holiday movies for a very specific reason. So when right. you give them something that's so alternative to that. I'm not sure it's self aware sure feeling to. Yeah. Like when, when, when I stumble on these movies, it's what's remarkable to me is that they're not ironic in any way. Most of them. No, you know, they, we may know that we can tell what's coming and the stars probably are laughing at some of the plot lines, but the movies themselves are not self-aware at all. And perhaps they will be soon, or perhaps there's a market there. 
We, I did one a few years ago that was the most meta that, and we just had a ball doing it, but it was um, two sisters who like woke up in a Christmas movie and one was very, very into Christmas movies and adored them and the other one couldn't stand them. So uh, it was just really good fun to be able to uh, play with the tropes and like have them go like, oh, this must be my old boyfriend. <laughs> right, exactly. I feel like there would be, more of that um <laughs> i don't know if that's true or not this episode is brought to you by atlassian atlassian software like jira confluence and trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great but together we're so much better learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. So is there a limit on the ambition here? Are, is there a, I mean, is this going to be limitless? Are, you said that you guys are scaling back a little bit this year because I feel like for the last five to seven years, it's been one after another, you know, every year more and more and more. And is there finally a limit on this market? There doesn't seem to be, but you know what? I do think I do think that when the numbers are tallied, we probably are going to be even, you know, across the industry, even if not maybe a little bit less. I could be wrong on that, but in terms of like what I'm seeing out there, um, because like I said, last year was an absolute explosion. Everybody and their brother was in the business. But we didn't choose a different strategy this year because of um, any concern over there being too many of them. We chose a different strategy because we really wanted to plus up the ones that we were doing um, and and really lay them into specific um, uh, nights of the week, you know, throughout the, the schedule. Last year, we we had a new, we had a premiere movie every single night from Thanksgiving to, uh, to Christmas and people just couldn't keep up. <laughs> so, really? <laughs> What's your highest rated holiday movie of all time on Lifetime? I believe it was the, it's been the Merry Little Christmases with Kelly Rowland. And and so have you analyzed what is it about those movies that resonates so much? Humor. I think humor and a great a great cast, a great fun dysfunctional family and the warmth of it at the center. Kelly Rowland is amazing. But I really think that what I was talking about earlier, that makes us a little bit different. We ha we put a little more humor in each of the movies that we do. So, And you guys, I know the, the, di the diversity stats on these movies are not great, but you guys have actually made an effort on that front over the last few years, right? From the onset. Lifetime has always been um, inclusive, you know, very it's it's part of the DNA um, to make sure that, you know, everybody feels like they can see themselves here and, and belong here. So you can see it, you know, through our season every day. It's, it's just every it's it's all inclusive. Um, I know that other people have been making strides, but I think that Lifetime is very proud that this has always been a, a piece of it. So how far are we from year round? Year-round outlet <laughs> holiday movies. You laugh, but Pluto TV, one of those, you know, Tubi, one of those outlets will do it. 
It could, it could. Cause you know, the, the reality is, is like, we've got, um, we've got a, a lifetime app. We have on demand. We've got my holiday favorites from lifetime, um, which is its own channel, um, lifetime movie club. So with all of these different platforms, um, we, we it very well could be come a 24, seven, 365. Why not? <laughs> Who doesn't want the Christmas cheer all year round? All right, I just, yeah. I just came up with your slogan. All right, we're going to end with a quiz. I like to quiz people sometimes. I'm going to name five movies. Four of them are actual Lifetime holiday movies that are airing this year on your network. One of them is fake. I made up. Can you spot the fake? Okay. Here we go. I'm going to name them all, and then you tell me the fake. Reindeer Games Homecoming, Sweet Navidad, Stepping Into the Holiday, A Very Hairy Christmas, A New Orleans Noel. I think you gave me a softball, but I have to say A Very Hairy Christmas. <laughs> a Very Hairy Christmas is the fake one. You're right. I know. I wanted to go easy on you. I didn't want... They're so similar that I figured if I, di if I dipped into the archive, it would be too tough for you. But you're right. You got him. You, you should develop them. that, though. You should. That sounds interesting. You should develop that one. <laughs> that would be a good game show. That would be good shoulder programming for you guys. You should have a quiz show to name plot points and titles from past holiday movies. We're talking <laughs> thousands of movies now. It's true. I have one question for Amy. Yes. Other than Christmas, do you have any other holidays that do well in the movie market? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, we don't, we don't actually do any others like holiday specific, um, movies, except we do do, um, inspirational, um, biopics usually around Easter. And, but what I would say is that they're more about, um, gospel music than they are necessarily about Easter. Um, and, uh, so we've done, uh, the Clark sisters, we've done Mahalia and that time frame and, um, and that's done really well for us. But no, we don't do like Valentine's or um, anything like that. This is really our part that we turn over to the good, the, being good and the rest of the year we're naughty. <laughs> that's funny. And do you, what do the demos look like? Like where, is anybody in the major cities watching these? I imagine they do actually well in places that you might be surprised. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like um, it's not just a CND County thing. Every, everybody's pretty into it. It does, it does skew older, you know, generally, you know, I think those are the people who turn it on and leave it on. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but I, it's a pretty broad swath of, of the U S so, and, and I think a lot in the South. Right. It's a big Southern thing. Mm -hmm. Does anyone overseas watch these? The international piece of these movies usually sell very, very well. Um, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, they're interested in, you know, big city girl going home to the country and having herself a, a country Christmas. Yeah, but they especially love it when the big city, when the girl gets fired and goes to Paris and falls in love. Oh, that happens. Okay. But you don't actually shoot in Paris. It's like some, you know, Parisian looking <laughs> street in Vancouver. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, these take about a week or two to film each one. Yeah. It, about that. Interesting. All right. Well, it's a uh, fascinating business. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're back with the call sheet. Craig, have you watched the Super Mario Brothers movie trailer? 
I have. And I was there when everybody was all up in arms about Chris Pratt getting cast as Mario. feel like that is our collective societal outrage. Uh, Something Chris we can Pratt. all agree on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, honestly, I don't think anyone in the real world actually cares about that. Um, I, my prediction is the Super Mario Brothers movie is going to be a massive, massive hit in April when it comes out. And I'll tell you why. Okay. It's one of the few pieces of intellectual property that spans generations. Yep. Everybody knows the Mario Brothers. And yes, there was a bad movie in the early 90s with Bob Hoskins as Super Mario Brother, uh, as Mario. But this is animated. And the secret factor here is this is Illumination. Universal took this property, won the rights from Nintendo, and gave it to Chris Melodondri and his studio Illumination, which does the Minions movie and The Secret Life of Pets and Sing, all of which have been massive hits. This guy is as close to a proven or guaranteed hit maker as they come in animation. And then you give him this property that is so beloved. And I think it's just, it's going to be a massive franchise, five, six Mario Brothers movies. Wow. And it's written by Matthew Fogel, who's the guy who wrote Minions, The Rise of Gru. He wrote the second Lego movie. They just know how to do this stuff. Yeah. It'll, it'll appeal to kids, parents, and nobody, this time in April, nobody will care at all about the fact that Chris Pratt is the voice. And people who might not be interested in this kind of a movie, they can use Chris Pratt in the marketing, and he's a big star. I, I will say, I don't think he does a good job at, as Mario. In the clips we've heard, <laughs> I, maybe, they, oh. maybe they're re-recording them, if, because just like they did with Sonic and reanimating Sonic, but he doesn't sound great as Mario. Because of the Mario Brothers canon and the voice that you're used to hearing, what what are you comparing this against? It's a it's a it's a, a Italian little cartoon character. I played Super Mario sixty four on Nintendo in the nineties growing up, and I'd love to know that if that guy was Italian doing Mario's voice, he probably wasn't. Uh, I do agree with you though that this will blow over. I mean, this was a Twitter problem. It wasn't a real life yeah, problem. Nobody actually cares. Also, like, it's not like he's some you know old country Italian. Aren't they supposed to be like plumbers from New York? Yeah, I don't know if they're from New York, but they are plumbers. I will right. say a Charlie Day as Luigi, I think, is a better cast, and I would have rather Charlie Day just been Mario. But I understand the star power aspect of it. Jack Black is Bowser. I like that. Yeah, but there's only one Italian in this in this cast, and it's Sebastian Maniscalco, the stand-up. Anya Taylor Joy has no Italian heritage. She well, seems Peach like an alien. Well, Peach is Italian. I don't think Peach. No, is I that. guess not. Yeah, she seems like she's from another planet. So I don't know. But um, yeah, I just I, I, listen. I am a, a, apparently Italian American at some point in my history. I am not offended by this one bit. I don't think anyone actually cares. I am half Italian, slightly offended. All right. Well, you can be the guy holding the poster outside the premiere. Uh, that'll be your hill to die on. <laughs> you and Chris Pratt so can have it out. Do you think this is going to be like big as as big as like Minions, like Minions level popularity? Well, keep in mind, Minions was not Minions when Despicable Me came out. It, it grew and grew and grew in popularity. I think this will be akin to when Illumination got the Grinch property, mm -hmm. when you know Universal has the rights for Dr. Seuss, and they gave the Grinch movie to Illumination to produce that. Uh, as an animated version when they already did, you know, they did the Jim Carrey version. Um, and it was a hit because Illumination knows how to do these movies. What is the what is the financial breakdown like when Universal gives a property to Illumination? Like, how does that split? Illumination is owned. I'm not sure if it's majority or if it's just an investment. They may, they they own all or part of Illumination. 
So this is their answer to Disney. You know, Disney has this huge animation investment and history. Universal did not have that. They wanted to get into the family game. They identified Chris Melodondri as like an extremely talented animation producer that they had worked with in the past. And they just said, let's do it. Let's buy it. Similar to what Disney did when they started releasing Pixar movies in the 90s. And then they just said, you know what? We should own this. So they brought it in-house and bought it. Um, It's never been revealed, I don't think, how much the Universal paid for its stake in Illumination. And that relationship is kind of different than all the you know outright buying it like Pixar was by Disney. But, uh, and they also make movies differently. A lot of the movie, uh, a lot of those movies are made in France and they outsource a lot of the animation. So it's a lot cheaper to make the Illumination movies than it is a typical Disney movie like Strange World or the Pixar movies, which are way more expensive. Um, so it's been a great business for Universal and it gave a studio that didn't have a lot of library franchises. I mean, they don't, Universal doesn't have superheroes. So they had to try to figure out how to do superhero style franchise tent poles without having superheroes. And one of the things they came across were these family movies that Chris Melodondri was doing. So they, they bought this property and they made a huge investment. There's a whole Super Mario Brothers land that is being built at the Universal Parks right now. I saw it when I was there last, last uh, spring. They're like, you know, the movie hasn't even come out yet. And they're already almost done with the area of the theme park. So they have a lot invested here. And I think it's ultimately, it's just going to be a smart move and this is going to be a huge hit. You're probably right. Everyone except you will be into it. I you love can, Mario. You, I'm going to go see it. I don't care about Chris Pratt. You it's just fine. said that you just said that you're offended as an Italian American. I'm not. I'm joking. I was upset. I will say that Tim Allen was not Lightyear, and look what happened there. But that's true. This I have no problem with. It's fine. All right. Well, we'll see. That's the show for today. I want to thank Amy Winter from Lifetime for coming on. I want to thank producer Craig Horlbeck. I want to thank you. We will see you later this week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.